stands The dice rule every random chance Take off your coat and stay a while We'll roll in that deep percent time Dave Goblin Senchman here. Of course, uh, the thing that everyone has been missing out on their um, one book to rule them all is, of course, the smart RPG system, the SMART RPG system, written by obviously myself. Um, it's obviously a system that's uh, just just waiting there to be embraced by the role playing community. Um, all joking aside, actually, the uh, your hack of it, your, your sort of uh, cyborg kind of futuristic hack. Um, I, I probably need to give that a bit of airtime. I'm not quite sure whether you're happy for me to put on your on your on my blog for a download. Anyway, let me know. Cheers, fella. Bye. Hey, Dave. Just listened to your latest episode. The another one book Wildermall um, calls. Sorry, not speaking well. Brain not working. I, as far as um, Lonely Adventure goes, I think he summed up Star Wars perfectly. I think, although I think the first edition rules are playable, I, I, I can't argue with any of his comments there. I, I, like I say, Riffs, y- you know, I, I was never, I had Riffs, I had a bunch of books up to Atlantis, I think. I st- think I stopped buying them after Atlantis. But anyway, I, I can't totally disagree with him, but I, I was never a huge, I played Riffs, you know, we even played it when it came out, but... I played it in the army in the nineties, but I don't know. It, riffs never really grabbed me, to be honest. But worse systems and played them in mainstream games. Hmm. I I bet you we can think of some of those if if we try. But I I do appreciate all the calls. So what are some of those worst games? I would say I think a lot of people would say Tunnels and Trolls. I wouldn't, but I think a lot of people would because they hate the combat system. I think OD&D, the white box, the your three little... Not even not white box, I'm sorry. But the three little books, the original setup for OD&D. I, I think if you just pulled... If you weren't a gamer or you were a new gamer and you got those original three books or you got a Palladium game, the Palladium game would be more playable than original D- Dungeons & Dragons, three little books. I firmly believe that. I, I don't think you could you, you could do it. I... I I'll stand by that and willing to defend that stance. Um, so there, there are those are a couple games. Um, I, yeah, well, let, let's go with those two. Hey Dave, that's been listening to the episode of One Book to Rule Them All, and I really enjoyed it. Thank you for that. And um, first of all, sorry that I uh, slightly triggered you, um, but uh, it was hopefully in you know a semi thoughtful kind of spirit. But never mind. I noticed something listening through all those calls and there's this kind of split actually between whether the one book is purely the mechanisms you need to actually add your own imagination and sort of processes and then kind of create a game. So actually what you're really looking for is the rules mechanisms. But actually the majority of people seem to feel like the one book has to include the setting and has to also include kind of those procedures for play. And I find that really interesting um, kind of divide uh, that's perhaps worth exploring. I don't know, but it interested me. Maybe I'm the only one. <laughs> anyway, man, thanks for the episode. Game on. 
Hey, I've got loads of call-ins to get through. These ones go back a long way. I'm going to say thank you to Che and to Jason and to Goblin's Henchman. I was going to do one of those episodes where I just queue up all the call-ins, but uh, I will just mention, so thanks for those calls, really appreciate them. I will mention that I've put a link to both Goblin's Henchman's Smart RPG and to my hack of it in the show notes yeah i just goblin's henchman passed it to me for for comment and i thought a good (laughs) a good way to think through commenting on a one-page minimalist game is to just send back a hack so i did by return i said here you go here's i like your game here's a hack (laughs) so you can have a look at that and see what you think of it um and i will just say yeah, because it's when am I recording this? It's Sunday, and Che has just put out yesterday uh, the first part of an interview. Well, yeah, an interview discussion. We did we did one of those two parters where the second half's going to go on my show, but I haven't uh, got round to editing it properly yet. I enjoyed that discussion with Che, and just a quick response since I'm mentioning that uh, to Che's comment. Yeah, so. I think when my one book is a rules light book, one of the strengths is that it's actually setting light because then I can, I can hack it how I want. I do like to, I I don't much go on published settings. Certainly those published settings which have been developed over years and years and years with the exception of Star Wars, which I think, well, I I don't, I don't, I don't care what other people think. I think Star Wars Episode 4 is one of those epochal artworks that shifted the way that we experience the world. There aren't many there aren't many ones, you know, Tolkien is another, you know, they just shifted the way we think about uh, the way things are, and, the, and, you know, it came complete, <laughs> all the sounds, all the visuals, all the, all the, all the myth, it just came, it just sprung, fully formed, uh, an act of, of genius, but in general, in RPGs, I don't really want settings, uh, I do just want a good expression of the rules i always make a distinction between the game i don't care how good it played in the play testing it's the expression of the rules i'm interested in because i haven't got the writer alongside me so it's got to be a good expression of the rules but yeah i just mostly want the rules uh, i want it to be fairly flexible so i can put it into whatever world i like with some exceptions i mean there are some games you would probably call them more on the indie end of the spectrum games which are which are just designed to do one thing and do it really well and in those the mechanic, core mechanic, all the mechanics and the intended setting are sort of integrally unified. Um, and in those, I think you've got you've to love the setting and the mechanics all together. But I think I'm with you there, Che. And thanks for the comments. And then the other reason why I've done a bit of gloss is because I just have to gloss this one because I'm so pleased I've got a new caller. It's Safer from the Safer Fantasy Crafting podcast yes you got caught out by the one minute <laughs> we'll do on our first call you can go back through <laughs> through the history of anchor podcasts and you can find everybody's first call because <laughs> you get cut in by the one minute don't worry about that hello dave uh, this is safer from safer fantasy crafting i'm sorry that's not my real name i've uh, only just got into this podcasting malarkey sort of by accident really and I couldn't think of a better name, and I don't really trust the internet as an old timer that much. But I just I came across your podcast, and I saw your um, episodes about ninjas, and I just thought I'd have to leave you a message. It's the first time I've ever messaged anybody, 
and uh, just because what you said in them matched so much of my early experience of playing D and D in the early nineteen eighty four, where I too insisted on playing a ninja in my friend's Western um, European medieval fantasy setting, and uh, I also. Okay, I don't know quite what happened there, and it's just got the message that you can only put a message as one minute long, so I didn't realise that. But yeah, I think your original question was, what was cooler than a than a ninja? So I, I just suggest, how about a ninja with a weapon, the same as the weapon that the hero had in the kids' fantasy movie Krull? I, I don't know if you're familiar with that movie. It was a movie from 1983 where the the hero had a... Uh, sort of shuriken type come boomerang weapon that he could fly around with his mind and had retractable blades that could cut through anything and I also insisted on having one of them as my ninja in my friend's setting and uh, I think he got completely sick of me and I, th I think I just died within the first five minutes of the session frankly so the only other character that I had that I thought was cool was a was a humanoid fox from a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game I played in 1986. He was an assassin. He was dressed all in black. He had a black suit, black shirt, black tie. He had black leather gloves and a Uzi with a silencer on. And he drove a black Porsche with a black leather trim. And I just thought he looked really cool in my mind. But I suppose in hindsight, having a character that was a cross between... James Bond and the Foxy Bingo mascot probably wasn't that cool in reality. But uh, yeah, thanks for the trip down memory lane. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, but a few things here. So, Krull, when you said... So, thanks. I love this calling. It gave me loads to think about. When you said the, the, the kids, the 80s kids film, Krull, I kind of crumpled. I thought, hmm, crumpled my face. I'm not sure if it was a kids film. Anyway, I've just watched it. I watched it again last night. I don't think I've seen it since the 80s and uh, you're absolutely right I mean it fully is a kids film I just associate I put it more on the list with um, Conan and Beastmaster and the others but you're absolutely right it properly is a family movie I was like right I'm watching this with the kids except that uh, I watched it alongside Willow because I've got Disney Plus I watched Willow now I didn't remember Willow that fondly but I, I, lo I love Val Kilmer actually <laughs> it's hardly his best film but I didn't remember Willow that fondly but I watched Willow I did watch that with the kids. Um, the connection being they've both got the same. Is it James Horner, the same, uh, has done the soundtrack? Uh, they are both brilliant soundtracks. I think that's probably the best thing about Kroll, a really awesome soundtrack. Um, I have to say I enjoyed Willow much more. But yes, I did see how Kroll was actually pretty family-friendly and not as I had remembered. I love it. I love it when the... Uh, sort of alien bad guys die and the little bugs come out from them and burrow into the ground yeah that hadn't that hadn't really stuck with me so yeah and the the weapon the weapon having just watched it it's fresh in my mind the weapon is called strangely called the glaive a bit of a bit of a misleading name but it does have that wonderful moment doesn't it where all the blades come out it's then barely used throughout the film it's just sort of carried around and gets pulled out gets remembered <laughs> at the end um yeah, I did, I, did, I did enjoy watching Crow, and you're right, absolutely iconic weapon, just sort of bizarrely placed and not well used in that particular film. They were really good. It's not... It's a, it's a fun film. It's not, it's not a complete failure, actually. I enjoyed the, the sort of He-Man science fiction 
stylings of it. In fact, it looks it looks like it's going to be a better film at the start. I mean, I don't know where the <laughs> where they spent most of their budget, but those early fight scenes with all the laser guns, sword, weapons, and everybody with their lovely shiny helmets looking all very He-Man and science fiction-y in a castle. It looks like it's going to be a great swashbuckler. And then it just has these bizarre middle sequences, that strange development of the Cyclops story, wonderfully played, really eerily played by Bernard Breslau, but just somehow quite strange. And then all the... uh, you know, all the bandits with those wonderful early appearances by by well-known, subsequently well-known British actors. Oh, it's well worth a watch, isn't it? But yeah, the glaive, um, what a weapon. Yeah, I had some, some of my early favourite characters were playing TMNT. Maybe you've started a bit here, I don't know. See if people are interested in, in carrying on that one. Your favourite character, who have you... Who have you played? What are those characters where, you know, you saw the picture in the rule book and you just thought, I have to be that. So, yeah, there was a bit with Shadowrun for me, the Street Samurai, the Remington Room Sweeper, the, uh, the Hand Blades. There's uh, another character uh, I think I played uh, in Riffs, Palladium Riffs Wormworld. Is that what it's called? Wormwoods? Wormworld? The first um, dimension book. No idea really why they started the Dimension book line. That was the first one. I think it's because someone did a did a cartoon. They did a comic, probably a concept, probably a concept for a comic book series that never took off. But they obviously waved it past Kevin C and Beard and said, "Do you want that for your Rift series?" He's looked at it and gone, "It's not very really very Rifts." Um, sort of bizarre mishmash of a strange planet with all biotech, and then these knights on motorbikes old old um old earth motorbikes techno wizard weaponry all riding around fighting some kind of demonic incursion and he's gone well that won't really fit into rifts but here's it we could say it was one of the other dimensions you could travel into from rifts earth and that spawned uh, this dimension book anyway some of the chaotic enemies come out of these Vats, and they created this uh, character class, the Apoch Warrior. The Apoch Warrior was this amazing masked figure, bristling with ancient and modern weaponry. I think he had all kinds of swords all over him. I can see it now. Uh, the story being that he, or you, had been some agent of chaos some champion of of evil but then you'd had a change of heart so you went down into one of these vats and you emerged as the apoch warrior um, ready to inflict righteous vengeance on your former companions Uh, absolutely brilliant i saw that picture you know when you do you see the picture you fall in love with it i've got to play that Uh, maybe there's a new bit if anybody's interested interested call in with that with that character that you just knew was awesome. Maybe it, maybe it wound up the other players how awesome you knew your character was. I definitely did with my Apoch Warrior. I just, I always knew that I was the coolest character in the group. Bit of a problem. <laughs> there you go, that's your lot. Um, nowhere near through all the call-ins. Got an absolute epic follow-up on player skill to come, even if I don't comment on any of them. Still got quite a lot there, so thanks very much. 
keep the call-ins coming in. You should expect sometime soon the second part of my chat that I had with, with Che about Numenera originally and then GM style and other things. Thanks very much again to my callers. I had Goblin's Henchman, I had Jason, I had Che Webster and I had Safer. And thanks to everyone for listening. I'll catch you soon. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact Dave, please leave a message on Anchor, email dpercentile at gmail.com, or find him on Twitter at d underscore percentile.